0: One of the first things that really caught me off guard that I knew something was wrong was my mom came to visit me and she made like a quiche egg thing <laughs> and it had like a bunch of heavy whipping cream and butter and cheese. And it was amazing with like a homemade crust. And I remember panicking inside because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I didn't make this. I know there's a lot of calories in this and it's not really aligned with my like nutritional plan that I've set out for myself. And that should have been something that's, if it doesn't align perfectly, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like there's no balance at all. And I just panicked over this. I was like, I can't eat it. Like, I just, I can't put this in my mouth. I don't know what to do. And I knew that was like very extreme and not like the person that I used to be.
1: Oh, friend, today's interview is gold. I am so glad you are here. I'm actually interviewing one of my friends and workout buddies And the reason I'm so excited about this is because she is an incredibly accomplished woman. She's a mom, she's a wife, she's a physician's assistant. I mean, this woman has done so much in her life. And I think with great success and and these accomplishments, there can be stuff going on in the background. And most of us don't want to talk about it. And specifically, our relationship with food and body can suffer when we are big goal getters and this woman who's here today her name is Kelly Watkins she is sharing her story she's getting really vulnerable about how her journey with food became disordered it was an insidious process but it was something that over time slowly but surely became more problematic and you know she didn't want to label it as an eating disorder cuz that's weird or she didn't feel like she was sick enough But she did come to the point of realizing that this was not okay. And she had an unhealthy relationship with her food and her body. And I know you being here today, hearing this is going to do a few things for you. Like one, I think many of us relate Two, if you have a history of some sort of struggle with food, there's a lot of validation in hearing that you're not alone, that some of the stuff you've been through, my friend, it is hard and I just, today I know you understanding and getting some insight into what this woman has been through, how she's overcome and where she is today. It's going to give you hope going to give you hope, it's going to give you healing, and I know you're going to walk away feeling inspired. Hey, I'm Jess and I'm obsessed with all things nutrition, science, and helping you navigate this information while maintaining a deep sense of peace and empowerment in your body. I'm a registered dietitian who started out with an eating disorder and then fell in love with learning about how God intricately designed our bodies to be resilient and so much more than superficially beautiful. I am now a mama who loves to be healthy, not because of how it makes me look, but because of how it has transformed the energy I can give to my family, my friends, and you. On this show, we hit on real talk around the latest nutrition science and body image resiliency, all while balancing it between grit and grace. Think of this as your weekly audio coffee to encourage your empowered eating journey. This is the Fuel Her Awesome podcast. Are you excited to hear it? I'm so excited for you to hear it. Before we dive in, I just want to let y'all know as I'm sitting here recording this for you, I am feeling so great. My biofeedback is telling me. I am satiated and energized. And I'm gonna give you a little secret as to why. It is because I am currently drinking my Polar Joe Vanilla Cold Brew. Y'all, if you have been listening to the show, you know I love this stuff, but I wanna take a minute to let you know as a Fuel Her Awesome listener, you have the opportunity to buy this at a discounted price. You can go over to my website, jessbrownrd.com, click on shop, and you can find Polar Joe's products there. The discount code is listed for you guys there, it's Fuel Her Awesome. Enter that, and it's going to give you a discount right at checkout. This stuff is amazing, and everyone that buys it says the same thing. They say, Jess, I was expecting a protein shake, and I ended up getting a cold brew coffee with protein in it. It is the best of both worlds, and I want you to try this out. If you're not someone that can dive in, you want to test it first, you can grab a sample for just a dollar and see what you think of it. Check it out over at JessBrownRD.com under shop, and let me know what you think. All right, let's dive in to today's interview. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You are a fellow boy mom and CrossFitter.
0: Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yes. I mean, boy mom life is always wild, super chaotic and stressful, but um, it's a blast and I love it. I'm here for it.
1: You know, I always think of you because there was a once upon a time, your husband's real active on social media and he posted this picture where like y'all had put this candy above the refrigerator. And your oldest, like, set up this, like, crazy, like, staircase and, like, figured out a way to get on top of chairs. the fridge. Yes, to get the candy. Yes.
0: yes. Oh, my gosh. And I think he was even, like, half naked. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, I got to do, doesn't matter. I'm going to get up there. Whatever. I got to get up there. You know, multiple chairs. Yeah. Um, <gasps> I think he even had like a little flagpole or something. He's like, I'm going to reach this candy.
1: Yes, it was like really intricate. And I, but I remember when he posted that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like everything my kids do is it's like parkouring through life. And also, like you said, half naked. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yep.
0: Living their best life.
1: Oh, well, I, so we could talk more about being a boy mom, but you're here today because not only are you CrossFitter boy mom, you're also a physician's assistant. You serve our community in an absolutely incredible way. Um, and you have this really like powerful relationship with food and exercise now, but I know getting here, it's been a journey for you. So tell me a little bit about your history with body image and food.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, I think growing up, I was always kind of a foodie. I was a swimmer. And I mean, all swimmers out there could speak to this, that you just eat like thousands and thousands of calories and you're still hungry. You just burn through it. So my whole childhood, I mean, there was no kind of negative relationship or association with food. It was all about fuel and getting through practice, eating all the things I loved, could not get enough pasta, bread, sweets, (laughs) everything. Love it. But at some point... Uh, after my swimming career was over in college, I started running and I think that's where the change happened. Um, I noticed as I was running more and more, I started losing weight and looking a lot leaner and I had put on a little bit of weight after swimming. So I wasn't upset about it. If anything, I think I wanted to lean out a little again and look more like an athlete. Mm -hmm. So as I started to see that happen, I was like, oh, I'm looking better. I think I like how I look more. And this was a totally insidious thing. Like I wasn't originally trying to like get super lean or make any really dramatic life changes. And it just kind of like caught me by surprise. So as I started shrinking more and more and more, and then researching more and more about like food and nutrition and became very obsessive with it. And like, how can I feel myself best to like get my mile time down another 30 seconds per mile And like look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, wow, like I've lost another 10 pounds or whatever. And it just kept snowballing from there Mm -hmm. Um, over, I'd say maybe like a year's worth, maybe a year and a half. And then before I knew it, I was just like on a crazy downward spiral. That's so you
1: said two things that I think are really powerful. Number one, like the word insidious, like that is Mm -hmm. such a powerful and I think like strong word that represents what happens when women like get into some of these relationships or these disordered relationships with food. It's like, it starts off with the best of intentions, you right. know, like it's so sneaky. And like you even said, like, you just wanted to know, how could I best fuel myself? Like you were actually genuinely interested in solid nutrition and take care yeah. taking care of yourself. So at what point did you realize this was turning into more of a negative association with food and body image?
0: I think initially there were some things that like caught my attention, but I discarded them immediately. Like when I would pack my lunch for work, cause this was like maybe 2012, 2013. So okay. I was working at urgent care at the time. I wasn't okay. a PA. I wasn't doing CrossFit. i had like a totally different friend group, all kinds of things. But when I packed my lunch for work, I was very like obsessive about it. And like, even my breakfast in the morning, I remember thinking, okay. I need to include, like, a healthy fat. But I don't want too much fat because I don't Mm want to gain, like, a single pound. So I would have, like, like two cashews, like, in my car. And I was like, cool, that's it. Like, capped out my fat check. Um, Like, that's crazy, you know. But I remember thinking, that's, like, a little bit extreme. But, like, I know because I'm doing all the research and, like, other people just don't know. They don't have the self-control or or whatever. I just justified it as being normal. And it was not normal. Um, And then, like my lunch break and everything. I was very rigid about like how many calories I could eat and, and not going over that number. Or if anything, I'd be proud if I was under it. Mm -hmm. Um, and almost feel like, like rewarding myself, like, oh, wow, you did great. You, you ate even less than you had planned on today. So that was a good job. Like your brain just switches it. It's so weird.
1: Did you know Um, that was problematic at the time? Like when you were starting to go,
0: Oh sweet. I'm under, like, did you see that as a red flag? No. Nope. Not at first. It took me a long time. Like I think maybe at least six months or more and people started making comments and that was like, kind of caught my attention, but I discarded them again. because I was like, well, I'm running a lot and I'm just eating super healthy. So yeah, I'm going to be lean. Mm -hmm. But people would say like, wow, like you've lost a lot of weight or whatever. And, And I would kind of think about it like, Oh, maybe it's too much. I don't know. But I just continued on. And, um, I remember, one of the first things that really caught me off guard that I knew something was wrong was my mom came to visit me, um, here in Albuquerque and she made like a quiche egg thing and it had like a bunch of heavy whipping cream and butter and cheese. And it was amazing with like a homemade crust. And I remember panicking inside because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I didn't make this. I know there's a lot of calories in this and it's not really aligned with, my like nutritional plan that i've set out for myself and that should have been something that's i mean who cares i mean you go and you enjoy things here and there and if it doesn't align perfectly it doesn't have to be perfect like there's no balance at all and i just panicked over this i was like i can't eat it um mm. like this is something that like i just i can't put this in my mouth i don't know what to do and i knew that was like very extreme and not like the person that i used to be mm. so that was one major turning point
1: okay yeah, that's that's something I think many people can relate to like all of a sudden this food which is an inanimate object has no control over us like creates this anxiety inside of us and like you said like it shouldn't have mattered it shouldn't have been a big deal but at this point it was. So when you felt that what did you decide to do with that cuz it sounds like at that point you were like this is not okay. So what right. did you do?
0: Well, that wasn't I wish I could say that's when I was like okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to mm-hmm. be more balanced, but it wasn't, Um, I just, I think I cried. I was was like, I can't do this. I'm going to have to eat it because I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings, but like, I'm going to feel guilty about this after. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what happened. Like you just shame yourself for not like staying strong enough to follow whatever plan Mm -hmm. it is you've set out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like going out to dinners and things like that were always very stressful because again, I think it's a control thing too. Um, And I know other people have said this on the podcast, but you just, you feel like that's something you want to take control of. And if someone else is making the meal or the food and you don't have that control, it's very anxiety provoking. Um, Another thing, and I initially was not sure if I should like take it this far to mention all these details, but (laughs) after talking to Matt too, and he's like, no, just be raw, be real. Um, There was times I remember like when I was really in the thick of it and it was really bad where like I would eat something or like really, really crave something like that. I used to love like a brownie or cake or something Mm -hmm. like pretty unhealthy, but whatever, it shouldn't be a big deal. And in, you know, in moderation and I would crave it so bad, but just couldn't let myself eat it Mm -hmm. without. Mm -hmm. So I would just go and like, have like a bite of it or something, and then like spit it out immediately like, with guilt. I could not do it, even though I wanted to break that barrier down and go back to feeling like I could eat something I loved on occasion without that terrible negativity attached to it. I couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. I would just like spit it out because I couldn't like throw up or anything like that. I was too afraid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, well, if you're to the point that you're like, like vomiting or something like that. Then I was like that I can't deny in my head is like a true eating disorder, like bulimia uh, or something like that. But since I didn't take it that far, again, you just justify it. You justify is, it. It's crazy.
1: Well, and I'm so glad you're sharing this because I, I truly believe there's a lot of lies that are implanted in women's minds. And one of the biggest lies I see is that like, the, ju- the justification of these behaviors mm-hmm. or like the, I'm not sick enough. Like we don't want the label of an eating disorder because, right. you know, we're not thin enough. We're not, we're not vomiting. We're not doing this. We're not doing everything. Right. And I totally relate to that. Like my story is I had bulimia in, um, in college, but I was with someone who I was around someone who struggled with a very severe version of anorexia. And because I wasn't as thin as she was in my head, I was like, well, I justified all the purging because I I wasn't a low body weight. I had actually gained weight. So I was like, well, obviously like I'm not sick enough. So this is just what I have to do. Like we normalize it. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's so crazy. Well, and I think like you, and this is one reason I was really excited to chat with you about this is you're such an accomplished woman. Like
0: you are, you're
1: so awesome. Like you're a physician's assistant and not just like any physician's assistant in general surgery. And you're a boy, mom, your husband's a first responder. Like, and I know that schedule firsthand is crazy and (laughs) unpredictable. And then, you know, you're one of those women we work out together. Those of you who are listening. I actually met Kelly at uh, the gym I go to, but she's one of those where I'm like, how in the world does she do that? Like you are so like just (laughs) such a natural athlete. But I I think sometimes with that level of accomplishment, there can, there's like another lie that's planted. And that's that like, I, you know, I can't say these things out loud or like, you know, I can never admit that this is a problem because I am a physician's assistant or in school to become one. Right. Like I I mean, I can't tell you how many CEOs I work with that have food struggles and
0: they're so embarrassed about it. Totally. Right. The shame. Like you said, it's all the shame. Oh, it's crazy. I know. And I know there's so many people out there. Like I remember when I was going through it thinking like, oh man, no one out there is doing what I'm doing right now. Like This is so like, once you realize that you're doing things that are not normal for you or, or just normal in general. Like you think you're the only one, which is so crazy. It's so Mm -hmm. isolating. And it's so far from the truth. Like I know for sure that there are girls out there that were doing exactly what I was Mm -hmm. doing. I know for sure. Now, Mm -hmm. even without people telling me, which is part of the reason I wanted to share it too, because it's just so um, misleading. Like you feel like you are the only soul out there that thinks that way, is behaving that way. And you just are like so shameful of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and you said it's isolating and then it grows. Yep. And mm-hmm. I know. And that's why, again, why I'm so glad you were willing to share this because you're right. Like, you're not alone. And anyone listening that struggled with this, either past or present, like, you're not alone either. And there's so much power in saying it out loud because mm-hmm. then it doesn't sit and fester and it doesn't grow.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so important. So important.
1: So, Kelly, what motivated you to shift perspective and how do you feel after doing so? Oh,
0: so I think Matt had a big part in this. Um, I mean, over time, as we were saying, like when I started noticing these things I was doing and I was like, this is just not who I am. And it started to kind of like sit with me a little bit more. I just noticed I was like, "Okay, like I'm staying up late because I'm so hungry. I can't sleep. I'm drinking every sugar free drink there possibly Mm -hmm. is. And it makes me (laughs) like super bloated and miserable. Like this isn't a life I want to sustain. And I don't think it's sustainable my mood was all over the place. I was so irritable because I was so hungry and running miles upon miles upon miles and then just barely like nourishing myself. Um, So I remember because of this like change in mood and attitude, you're very negative and isolated. Matt said to me one day, he's like, I wonder if he'd remember this. I think so. He was like, I don't know if this is just like who you are or like if something's changed. Um, Mm -hmm. But he was just kind of telling me like, Changes in just my behavior, nothing to do with weight at all. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what have I done? We weren't even engaged, we were just dating at this point. And I was like, I'm going to lose this person. Oh, like, wow. I have like nobody else because I've isolated myself so much that and excluded everyone because they might interfere with my eating goals or workout goals or work goals. I just cut everybody out. And I was like, this person, the most important person to me, other than like my immediate family, like I'm going to lose them. So I need to make a change. Um, and then on top of that, just my level of misery was pretty high. <laughs>
1: and bearable.
0: unsustainable. Yeah. yeah. Right. Unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
1: like that quote, like the, you start to change when the, the pain of change, like, <laughs> what is it that I'm going to mess this up. The pain of change outweighs, no, the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. So then what happened? So Matt said this comment and Matt's your husband now. You guys have been married yeah. for how long? Eight years. Eight years. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. We yeah. Made it past what, like they say seven years? Yeah. Like when... <laughs> so good there's
0: job. Like, like the 10 year itch or whatever, but we've read a lot of things that say like if you make it to eight. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's what I read.
1: I know <laughs> this is like total sidebar, but one of my, I had someone say to me, cause my husband and I got married super young and I was so Twitter painted when him and I first got married, like starry eyed and in love with him. And I still am, but I remember like talking to an older woman telling her how excited I was. And she was like, uh, oh, just, you know, come back to me when you hit eight years and we'll oh see God. if you're this starry eyed. It was like real negative, but it stuck that's with brutal. me. It was so brutal, but I remember we celebrated our eight-year anniversary, and I looked at my husband, and I was like, "I'm still Twitter-pated and starry-eyed yeah. over you."
0: Yeah, it's changed oh, for sure, that. but yeah, eight years is huge. Congrats! It is, yeah. No, I do feel that. I mean, there's so much growth that happens. Anyway, so I mean, much. we can talk yeah. about that, but yeah. Yeah, it's, that's it's another tangent. Really <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's been good. So he said this comment to you, and you
1: realized like what was at stake, and you couldn't remain the same, so you had to change regardless of the anxiety it brought. What steps did you take? Because you didn't go to treatment, you didn't go traditional route. Right. So what did you do to make a change?
0: Yeah, um, honestly, I think this could have been done better had I sought a treatment route, but I wasn't very open about this with other people. And I think mm-hmm. had I had some outside influence to say like, "Hey, this is a resource you could have," like this is what you should do. Any kind of like like motive to go seek that out, I think I would have done it. And I think it would have been better. But uh-huh. um this road was long and hard. <laughs> um And I mean, I think some things continue. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, right? But we um, all are. We all are. Yes, yeah, we all are. I basically decided I was like, still, I'm still counting calories. I still hold on to that control of my fitness pal, and making sure I was somewhere in the realm of where I wanted to be. But I wanted to gain enough weight that I wasn't irritable, that maybe I like I would start menstruating again and feeling like more of a normal person. Um, and mostly just that I was more functional in life was like my goal. I was like, I need to feel myself enough that I am like more of a, just a functional human and can like go out to dinner and not have anxiety. Like my goals were to feel better in life. I mm-hmm. mean, as far as energy, but also social settings, that was a mm-hmm. huge goal of mine. Um, and over maybe the following year, I did put on like some weight, maybe 10 pounds. I don't know. And then Matt and I had gotten married. And I think what helped me also, cause I was still struggling a bit, but not nearly, not nearly as much. I had come out of it quite a bit and broken some of those habits and like hard nose I had previously established. I started mm-hmm. to break those down um, just with the willpower to get better. I mean, that's all it was. I was just like, don't lose the people in your life that mean the most to you enjoy your life. That's your goal. And so I just did what I had to do to do that. Um, but then I got pregnant right after we got married about Mm -hmm. a year into my, I'd say recovery. Mm -hmm. And, That was a huge life changer, best thing that ever happened to me, huge surprise. Mm -hmm. They told me I could not get pregnant. I had not ovulated that I knew of in or had a cycle, a menstrual cycle in two years at least. So I did not know that I could even very easily get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I promised myself at that point, I was like, okay, you cannot do anything that may harm this child. That's just absolutely out of the question. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to let go of whatever control issues you have to make sure that you are doing right by your baby. So I never counted calories again from the day wow. I found out I was pregnant, not one time ever. Wow. It was the hard no. And I, I won't <laughs> ever do it again.
1: <laughs> wow. You know, I'm a big believer that the very characteristics that get us into disordered eating or weird body image are the same personality, you know, traits that can get us out of it. And yes. like, I mean, let's, to be someone who struggles with an eating disorder, it takes a really like strong personality type. Yes. Like, I mean, it's a commitment to count calories, it <laughs> right? is. It's, work. it's It's a <laughs> lot of work, but what I love is my dad used to always tell me like, Jess, you got to use your power for good, not evil. And so it sounds like you figured out how to tap into that, that like aggressive go getter personality trait from a different angle and like channel that towards developing a better relationship with food and body. And like, you were going to fuel yourself regardless of the guilt, regardless of what was going on in your head, because it wasn't really about you and your body anymore. It was about your family, your husband, and now this, this new baby that your body was creating.
0: Exactly. Oh, I love that you said that because it's so true. So many of those like really intense, like goal-driven personalities like it can be easily channeled down into destruction, self-destruction, totally. destruction others like bulldozing people to get your goals. It gets, it can get crazy. So trying to channel that, like you said, was like a big mind opening like thing for me. I was like, okay, you can totally do this. You got yourself mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. You can get yourself out. You're strong. And proving that to myself was huge. That's amazing. So now I feel very empowered by that.
1: Oh, that just gave me chills. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. Hey, and I want to touch on one thing that you said at the very beginning, just kind of jumping back a little bit. Um, you know, the, the not going the treatment route, because I think so many people do struggle with food and they're like, well, do I, am I sick enough when to need Mm -hmm. treatment? And I just like, want to say there's no definition of sick enough. Like if any if anyone has anxiety around food, like you deserve to get support and help. But that support and help can come in different formats. And like you were fortunate to be in a very like loving, supportive relationship at the time, one right. that like you were afraid of losing. And I I when I work with women and I see that I that can be a game changer, but not like we have to be real, not everybody's in those settings. And yep. so true. There's a reason, there's support out there, you know? And and if you have anxiety or stress around food, and maybe you are in a great relationship and it's still just not, you need something else. Like there is a reason there's support out there. And I, I feel compelled to say that because you and I have like a very similar story actually. And I was, I, when I had like stopped all my behaviors, I was kind of like a hard no too. like, speaking of your characteristics, like I was struggle with bulimia, which means I can turn a switch on and off. Like I binged and purged on food. I did it with relationships, with you know, anything. Like it's just kind of my personality. And I always say like, I binged on bulimia and then I purged it. So when I was done with it, it was like, I just woke up one day and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I don't do these behaviors. Yep. I'm done. But I will say, and then I met my husband that summer and he was a loving, wonderful, encouraging, like pillar in my life. But I will say it took years to like sort out some of the emotional stuff. I had stopped the mm-hmm. physical behaviors, but like the emotional stuff took me so much longer that I know I would have gone through a lot faster. Had I gone to therapy, right? Like had yes. I worked on some of the emotional side,
0: not yes. just the physical. Yes. I think that's something like I would probably have a lot better tools to even address a lot of those things like now in my life. because <laughs> I, I think. Getting rid of the behaviors, like you said, that was a, not a easy, but it was a black and white, yep. this is just life. Like you will do it. Um, and I had like the tenacity to stick with that. So that was good. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I had to kind of unpack all the emotional stuff that was attached to that. Why was I behaving this way? Like mm-hmm. what were some of the triggers? All of that came way later. Yeah. The behavioral changes were first. And then even now I'm still, I'm sure like sorting through a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all, like you
1: said at the beginning, we're all a work in progress.
0: <laughs> all yeah. Of us. Oh
1: yeah. Forever. Forever. But you know, it's funny you say that. Cause one of the things I noticed, so when I work with women, one of the formats I work with them is over like a 12 week span and it, ne- it almost never fails. Like they'll come in and they have a very nutrition specific goal. And maybe it's, you know, developing a better relationship, or maybe they have a specific nutrition focus or health outcome goal that they're after. But if they haven't done like the emotional, like the mental work behind food, it never fails by like week three. We have dropped all those nutrition, not totally dropped them, but we've, we've at least like lowered them on the priority list because we have to figure out like, how is emotion showing up and how I treat my body and how I take care of my body and how can I better communicate my emotional needs, you know, directly and not through food or body abuse.
0: Right. Yes. No, there's a whole lot with that. I mean, there's it's so much more complicated I think than people give it credit for. Totally. There's there's a lot of facets there. Like it's not just as simple as like, oh, I want to be thin, so I'm not going to eat. I mean, yeah. maybe for some people that's how things are initiated, but there's a whole lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got to ask you this just because you are in the medical field. I mean, do you work much with people on nutrition? Do they come to you and ask these questions or yeah. do you not see that in surgery?
0: I feel like we don't see it a whole lot. Um, if anything, I'd say it's more on the other side. Like we'll see some like bariatric patients and like people that are struggling to lose enough weight to to be able to get their surgery, mm-hmm. like an elective surgery for a hernia or gallbladder or something. Um, but a lot of them are starting nutrition plans. And I get so sucked into it. It's hard because that's not really my role, yeah. but I want to make it my role. Because you care. Yeah, Yeah, I care. And it's, it's just as hard on the other end of the spectrum, you know, so and I definitely don't want them, even if they aren't losing a ton of weight and becoming like, you know, in a dangerous situation, because they're too lean, they're definitely that's probably not going to happen to them. I do want to protect their like emotional state, like I want them to go about it in the right way. So I do find myself getting sucked into that. But I don't, I'm technically not the one treating most of it.
1: Totally. Well, that's what I was wondering if how it shows up because Mm -hmm. it definitely pops up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's cool. We need more people in the medical professional uh, medical profession that have a sensitivity to the emotions Mm -hmm. behind food. Um, cause I'm sure you've seen this, like the research on medical professionals, including dietitians is that like, there's a huge weight bias and we perpetuate a lot of the disordered eating by bringing shame into the conversation around food. Right.
0: Yeah, I know I think there could be better education like in our schooling about how to approach that because it's the basis of so much of our health and I mean our overall well-being, but yeah, physically and emotionally, there's so much. And then we do have a lot of, I'd say a really high percentage of people that either have like anorexia, bulimia, or obesity struggles. Mm-hmm. There's just there's so many people that struggle with it in one way or another. And it truly determines like our body's overall function.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. There
0: could be better education about that just at baseline for everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. That's why I'm here, right? (laughs) That's what this whole podcast is about. Uh, But I'm glad you're out there doing that work. Well, I'm so glad you were willing to share your story. Because again, I think your story is one that so many relate to. I mean, I can't tell you how many women are like, oh, yeah, I used to struggle with that too. And- Mm -hmm. You know, I want to ask you one more question before we close out. Uh, What do you think, like, how has it been for you after you've recovered and come to a more normalized relationship with food? Like, how has it been to you getting back into things like CrossFit and, like, taking care of your body? Like, how have you maintained this, like, competitive nature that you just naturally have without getting obsessive again?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, and I was thinking about this actually the other day you have to find something that grounds you. Cause sometimes I ask myself, I'm like, how am I still like, I'm doing pretty good. Like what is helping me to do this? I think um, there are a lot of outside motivators like CrossFit is a good motivator for me because my goal is to be able to use my body Mm -hmm. and I can't do it. If I don't fuel it, I physically can't um, like continue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That's a, a small motivator, but I think something that's unchanging and grounding is super important And for me, I know this isn't the case for everyone, but for me, that is like family and showing myself like you can do this. You deserve to be able to like have a well-functioning body that you take care of and something that will be useful to your family and your husband and yourself and enjoyment of life overall. Like something that is unchanging, I think is what needs to be like your pillar of motivation to get you through that and then stay on that path because you don't have moments of weakness. Everyone does totally. where you're like, Oh man, I saw that really thin person the other day and across that everyone takes their shirts off and looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I look awesome or something dumb, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's going to be moments of, or whatever, a magazine or you go out to dinner and then you feel really sick after because you way overdid it or mm-hmm. something. So you, you just have to have something, whatever that may be that is, like your unchanging, unwavering motive that will always matter to you no matter what. So for me, it's that it's my family, my overall enjoyment of life and being able to provide pretty much anything to anyone around me. And I can't do that if I'm not taking care of myself at all.
1: So So good. So good, Kelly. Well, and just to put like language to it that we use here on the show is that's your values, right? That's creating value-based health goals instead of like weight loss health goals or performance health goals. Like that is truly a value-based health goal. And I love the words you use. It grounds you. It just keeps you grounded and focused because yeah, we all have moments of weakness. I know exactly what you're talking about where people take their shirts off and you're like, Oh, I don't look like (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Totally (laughs) guilty. guilty. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, we are human and I talk a lot about like not comparing or if you're going to compare, you know, compare across the spectrum, but the reality is we are human and we do those things. And you know, we can choose to not go down that rabbit hole and redirect that thought, but those thoughts do pop up. And you're right. The grounding is what keeps you, it keeps you safe. I love that. Okay. I lied. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I lied. I have one more question for you (laughs) because this is the fuel her awesome show. I always like to end with this question. How do you like to fuel your awesome? And this can be metaphorically or literally.
0: Oh, I think, um, I mean, kind of that last question ties into this one a little bit, but it's basically like, whatever I need to do to fuel my cup enough that I can give things to other people. Like if I can't take care of my body, then I'm not going to be able to provide anything awesome to me or anyone else. So just making sure that I, I do that. Um, and because like I have to tell myself this too, like you deserve it. Like my body works so hard. Like it deserves to be taken care of. I grind super hard every day, physically, emotionally at work, in your relationships, taking care of your kids. Like, And you just deserve to take care of yourself. Um, And that makes me feel awesome. Like when I'm doing a good job taking care of myself so that I'm able to do good things out in the world for me and other people, then that is awesome. And that's a big motivator for me too.
1: So good, so good. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your story, for being vulnerable. It's not easy to share that. I know this is like the first time you've talked about it on a more public platform. Oh yeah, (laughs) so grateful to you. Uh, You are awesome. And I am so glad you made that choice because I certainly have benefited from your awesome and getting to be around you. And yeah, you're just wonderful.
0: Well, thank you. You are wonderful. You're doing such awesome work. You're amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews, and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at JessBrownRD.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.